Hello, welcome to this service. I'm so glad you clicked that button and you're here with us now. Yeah, we're glad to be together. My name's Michael. This I'm is Mariana. Mariana, and we are excited for the second message in Alan's series. Yeah, Wired, Wired for, for Joy. joy. Yeah. Wow, we even said that together. <laughs> we just want to remind you that for everything that is happening here at Christ Community, please download our app and not just download, explore it. Right. You can go under Journey to see all the events going on. There are lots of classes starting, discipleship courses, interest groups. And also, if you'd like to partner with the work of God here through Christ Community, the app is also a great place to go uh, for giving. So, yeah. Guys, we're excited to get into the message. Uh, so without further ado, actually, wait, we wanted to after remind you message. that we are going to be hanging out with Pastor Alan after the message, talking yes. about um, the things that God is speaking to us and hopefully maybe shedding a little bit of light on some of the things you're going to hear. Yes. And now, now we can enjoy. go into the message. Let's enjoy it together. Hey, Christ community. So glad you are joining us today, wherever you are at, spiritually, emotionally, physically, God wants to meet you in that place. He wants to meet us in our time together. So thanks for letting me be a part of your spiritual journey. Last week, we began a teaching series on the topic of joy. I can't think of a more relevant topic to be focusing on these days. I mean, there is so much going on in our lives and our world that feels discouraging and stressful with the resurgence of COVID variants and the impact that has on schools and families with the recent situation in Afghanistan and hurricanes, in addition to all the everyday challenges of life. A friend of mine uh, went to the grocery store recently and she came out and noticed a folded piece of paper tucked under her windshield wiper. And when she opened it, she read these words, learn to park, dummy. Uh, she laughed about it and even passed it uh, or actually posted it on her refrigerator as sort of a family joke. But it, it really, when she told that story, it just reminded me of how it just typifies the atmosphere of our world right now. There doesn't seem to be a lot of joy. There's a lot of animosity and anger and criticism, but not a lot of joy. Even among Christians, we often struggle to experience joy. And the question is, why is that? If, as we talked about last week, our God is a God of joy who longs for us to experience joy, what is, what, 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 why does joy seem to be so elusive um, and hard to, to hold on to? Why is there such, such a, often such a disconnect between the way the Bible talks about joy and our experience of joy? Well, that question is one that I've been exploring for the past several months, and it has led me to do a deep dive into scripture as well as the world of neuroscience, how our brains work. There is a plethora of books and resources that describe this amazing integration between neuroscience and scripture. And I'm, I'm, I'm finding that an understanding of how our brains work helps us better apply what the Bible says about joy. And by the way, we have put together a resource list with a number of books that have been helpful to me with regard to this topic. So you can find that on our app. Well, today I want to talk about what is the foundational aspect of experiencing fullness of joy. Everything else we're going to talk about in this series builds on this foundation, this core principle found in the book of Psalms, which is a book of heartfelt songs and poems and prayers to God. Now, many of these Psalms are written by David, who, who in his life experienced all sorts of difficulties and, and negative emotions that came from 
those life circumstances. And he writes openly about his feelings of discouragement and despair and anger and fear. Well, in Psalm 16, he expresses a prayer to God to keep him safe in the midst of these difficulties. But at the end of this psalm, David makes a statement that is so powerful, it's so profound in what it says about joy. Check out Psalm 16, verse 11. David writes, in your presence, there is fullness of joy. In these eight words, David reveals to us the secret to our experiencing joy, the foundation for our experience of joy. Notice it is not in our circumstances. David's life was challenging and he experienced all sorts of negative emotions. And yet he he is making this joy-filled declaration You know, in our society, many people instinctively believe that joy is pretty much dependent upon circumstances. That you can't really be joyful in the midst of sadness or in the midst of grief or fear or discouragement. But that's not the biblical perspective. That's not what David is describing here. David is saying that in the midst of all the challenges he faces, he is still able to experience joy, fullness of joy. This is similar to the language we saw last week where Jesus in John 15 said, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. God wants us to experience fullness of joy no matter what is happening around us. I mean, that sounds amazing. So how can we experience this joy? How, can, how, how do we experience that when our, when our child is struggling, when our finances are tight, when our football team loses, when someone parks in a way that takes up two parking spaces. Well, David tells us how, but his how is actually aware. There is a particular location in which we can experience this kind of fullness of joy. So where does he say? In your presence, there's fullness of joy. David is revealing here something so profound, so foundational about joy. Joy is relational. It is not about our circumstances. Joy is about our relational connection to God. In fact, let me, let me say this even more, sp- more specifically. Joy is about our relational experience of God. Our relational experience of God. That's what David is describing here. He is talking about a relational connection with God in which David experiences fullness of joy For David, this was more than simply believing the right information about God. This was more than simply having the right doctrine about God. This was more than just knowing the correct truths about God. Those things are important, but they're not the complete picture. For David, joy was something he experienced in the Lord's presence. David didn't have this disconnect between his knowledge of joy and his experience of joy. They were were integrated. And this is where brain science can help us better understand what was happening in David's life and why he could experience joy when we often don't. So let me take a couple minutes and summarize what we talked about last week in terms of how God created our brains. If you missed last week, I encourage you to go back and listen, but this is going to be just a quick summary. God created our brain with two sides each of which is important, but they're very different. So the left side of our brain is our reasoning side. It's our rational side. The left side of our brain processes data by focusing on details and facts and information. The left side is where we store doctrine and truth, which is very important. The right side of our brain is the intuitive relational side. It's it's in the right side of our brain that we experience emotions, including joy. 
Now, do you see why there could pretty easily be a dichotomy between the truth that we know and our experience of that truth? How someone could know Bible verses about joy and yet not experience joy. Absolutely. It's because these things are actually occurring on different sides of our brain. What David is describing is a whole-brained spirituality. He, he, he is utilizing the left side of his brain, what he knows to be true about God, as well as the right side of his brain, what he experiences in God's presence, the feelings and emotions that result from this relational encounter with God. And, and the last part, that last part is what is missing from many Christ followers in, in our cultural context today. Often our focus in spiritual growth is primarily a left-brained approach. So we want to learn about joy. We go do a Google search on all the verses about joy in the Bible. And we can memorize some of those verses. We can study them. We can read books about joy. We can read articles about how to have joy. We can do Bible studies on this topic, all of which are left-brained activities. And there's nothing wrong with any of those things. But in our quest for joy, but if in our quest for joy, we don't also engage the right side of our brain, we will not experience joy. We will know a lot of information about joy, but we will not experience the fullness of joy God desires for us. So how do we engage the right side of our brain so that we can experience fullness of joy? Well, this is where David's words here are so brilliant and important. David says, again, he says, in your presence, there is fullness of joy. Now, our English translations often miss something really important in this verse because the Hebrew word that's often translated presence literally means face, face. This word is talking about God's face. David is literally saying, in your face, there is fullness of joy. Now, what is God's face have to do with our experience of joy. Well, if you were here last week, you, you're, you're maybe already making the connection. L let me take a, get a moment here and just summarize a crucial point from last week, and it has to do with how we define joy. What is the essence of joy? From a biblical and neurological perspective, joy is the experience of being delighted in. Joy is the experience of having someone's face light up when they see you. That is what brings joy. Joy. It's when someone is glad to be with us. It's when someone delights in us. As I said last week, this is wired into us from the moment we are born. When, when a mom or dad holds their baby and they look at them with delight in their eyes and with joy on their face, that delight fills their child with joy. The, 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 the baby smiles, they wiggle, they experience joy, not on the left side of their brain, but on the right side of their brain, brain science reveals that, that the child's experience of being delighted in actually grows the joy capacity in that child's brain. As human beings, we literally come out of the womb looking for joy in someone who delights in us, and we never grow out of that. Joy is what we experience in the right side of our brain when we are delighted in, when someone is glad to see us. Joy is what we experience when someone's face lights up when we enter a room. That, that, that experience of being delighted in activates our joy center in our brain. Now, in light of this definition of joy, look again at what David says in Psalm 16. In your face, 
there's fullness of joy. What, what is he talking about? He's talking about God's face delighting in him. He's talking about how God's face lights up when he sees David. I mean, no wonder David experiences joy. He is living in this awareness of God the Father's face lighting up whenever he sees David. He's experiencing the joy that God created us to experience. I love how Michael Hendricks describes this in his excellent book, The Other Half of Church, that's on our resource list, one of the key books that has been really helpful for me. But he explains how, scientifically speaking, joy is primarily transmitted through the face. He writes these words, God designed facial recognition circuitry into our brains and linked it to our joy center. My wife's face lights up when she sees me, and this initiates a joyful chain reaction in my brain that I can feel in my body. See, this is what David is experiencing in his relationship with God. As David is aware of and senses God delighting in him, the right side of his brain is being engaged. His joy center is being activated. And that joy center brings a sense of calm to all the other emotions he's experiencing. So when David writes, in your presence, there is fullness of joy, here's what he's really saying. God, when your face lights up because you're happy to see me, my heart gets filled with joy. This experience of being delighted in by God is foundational to our experience of joy. It is not enough to just know that God loves us. It is something that we must experience. It's something that we can feel in our body. We can feel God's joy in our body because this is how he wired our brains. We are created to experience joy when we are delighted in by God. Okay, now you may be thinking, yeah, that sounds like a bit of a stretch. You're taking one little verse in the Psalms and building this whole case on it. Well, let me show you another verse that unpacks this even further. And this verse is arguably one of the most important verses in the Old Testament because it is a blessing that God gives to his priests in order for them to speak these words over his people. God commands his priests to continually speak these words over his people. And a, a blessing is, is a declaration of what God wants his people to walk in and experience. And the priest was the one who got to speak the blessing over the people. And today we get to speak blessings over each other. On, on Mother's Day weekend, we have parents um, we, we have parents speak blessing over their children. This idea of blessing and speaking blessing is huge in Scripture. And this particular blessing in Numbers chapter six is like the foundational blessing of scripture. This is a blessing that I often will speak over our church at the end of our in-person services. Many of you will be familiar with the words, but I want you to listen to these words now through the lens of the way we've been talking about joy. That joy is the experience of someone's face lighting up to see us. All right, here's the blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. And notice the heart of this blessing is that God's people experience peace. Shalom, the wholeness of being. And notice how that happens. It has to do with God's 
face. Twice in this, in this blessing, God's face is mentioned. The Lord make his face shine on you. What, what does that mean? It means may you experience the Lord smiling at you. May you experience the Lord delighting in you. May you experience what a newborn baby experiences when he or she looks up and sees mom or dad's face filled with delight because that's how God looks at you. That's how God looks at you. God looks at you with sheer delight. See, that's what this blessing is talking about. And what this means is that God wants us to experience the joy of being delighted in by in by him. Not simply as a left brain truth that we know about, but as an experiential reality in our lives. Now the question is, how is this even possible? How is it possible for us to experience this blessing of the delight of God when we know that our lives are kind of a hot mess, right? When when we don't, we know we don't have our act together. We know we've done our own thing rather than God's things. We failed, we, you know, all those things. So how can we experience the delight of God in the midst of the, and in light of the sinful choices that we have made in our lives? Well, here's how. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. See, this blessing in the Old Testament ultimately points toward the one who enables us to experience this blessing. This blessing is looking forward. See, look at the next phrase in this blessing, number six. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. To be gracious means that God doesn't treat us as we deserve. He lavishes his grace upon us just as we are, not as we think we're supposed to be. Because of the cross of Christ, where Jesus died for our sins and our failures, this is now God's heart posture toward those who trust in him. His face is smiling in us. His grace is poured out upon us. Because of Jesus, God delights in you. Because of Jesus, God delights in you. Even when we mess up, God delights in you. Now, if you still don't believe it, look at the next verse. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. What do we so often feel after we've messed up in some way? What, what, what do we feel like is God's heart posture towards us? I, I don't know about you, but I feel like God's turned his face away in anger or disappointment. He's, he's not even wanting to look at us. But that's not the gospel. Jesus took our sin and failures upon himself so that God's face never turns away from us. His grace meets us right where we are. See, this is the experience God wants us to walk in. This is the experience that Jesus' death on the cross enables to happen in us. The joy of being delighted in by the God who created us. What God is describing in number six is not simply about believing the right information, i.e. keeping this on the left side of our brain. No, what he's describing is a joy that engages the faster relational side of our brain. It is a joy that is intuitive. It's intuitive as we experience the Father's face being toward us, as we experience him, experience him delighting in us. I know, I know that this makes some Christians nervous. I mean, isn't this going to encourage people to sin? If we think God's delighting in us, won't that encourage us to sin? N not at all. See, the reason, the reason for that is, is because of what we feel 
toward the one who delights in us. I mean, when someone smiles at you or, or delights in you, well, what do you feel towards them? You feel a deeper connection, a, a deeper attachment. We're going to talk more about that in the, in the next few weeks, how, how, how this can impact our relationships. But think about this as it relates to God. When we feel delighted in by God, we experience a deeper attachment to him. We want to follow him. We want to obey him, not in order to get him to smile at us, but in response to his delight in us. And when we don't feel his delight, when we constantly carry this feeling that he's disappointed in us, that actually fuels our attempts to find that in other things. It can actually fuel our sinful behaviors. I mean, love is a way more powerful motivator than fear. So how do we cultivate this foundational experience of joy in a practical way? How do we engage the right side of our brain in this experience of being delighted in? Now, now because this is something that many of us as Christians are not used to, we have to cultivate it. This is something we can grow in with practice. So throughout this series, we're going to talk about some practices that can help grow, help us grow in this experience of joy, you know, in our in our right the right side of our, our brains. Well, today I'm going to give you a simple and yet powerful practice that, that's been incredibly helpful for me in growing in this. It's what I call a delight pause, a delight pause. Well, one of the practical reasons we struggle to experience joy is honestly our busyness. Our lives are spent running from this activity to that activity. And when we finally get a free moment, we look for something to distract us. We pull out our phone. We check our Instagram feed. We watch something on Netflix. I mean, the irony is what we're really looking for in that moment is joy. But these things don't provide it in, in the fullest way that God describes it. So we need to create spaces in our lives where we can experience what we ultimately long for, the joy of the Lord delighting in us. So this is where this idea of a delight pause comes in. A delight pause is when we choose to take a minute or two in the midst of our day and we stop and we intentionally experience the Lord delighting in us. Stop whatever we're doing and we intentionally experience the Lord delighting in us. Now the, now the key is that it, it th- th- this has to be something more than a left-brained activity where we simply recite some biblical truth. We need to engage the right side of our brain as well. And so here's what has been helpful for me. I like to picture in my mind the biblical truth, this biblical truth that God is delighting in me, that God is happy to be with me. So for instance, I will take a moment and will picture in my mind the truth of Numbers 6, 24 to 26. I will envision the Lord, the Lord's face being turned towards me and shining on me. Since we know that Jesus is the full revelation of what God is like, I often like to picture Jesus in front of me with a smile on his face and his arms open wide. He is glad to be with me. That's what the Bible says is true. I'm just picturing this in my mind. And another biblical picture that I use all the time is the picture Jesus gives us in Luke 15 of God the Father running to meet the prodigal son after his failure. And so in my mind, I place myself in that story. 
I see the Father running towards me. I envision him wrapping his arms around me and celebrating my being with him. These are all pictures of what the Bible says is true. And, And here's what's so powerful about picturing things in our minds. When we envision, in envisioning these things in our mind, we're engaging the relational side of our brain. We're engaging the right side of our brain, which means that these tr- these pictures help the truths in the left side of our brain become more real to us. Now, let me give another um, recent example, just for me, or give uh, give a recent example. Last Monday, when I came into my office, I I felt this huge weight of just several negative emotions: discouragement, anger, frustration over a couple of things that had happened over my weekend. And I, I certainly wasn't experiencing joy and I knew it. Um, so I got alone with God and I put my phone away and I started by quieting my heart with some spiritual breathing. We've talked about that at other places. And then I just began to envision Jesus with me in each of the specific situations I'd encountered over the weekend. There were like four of them. And in each one, I just pictured in my mind what the Bible says is true, that Jesus was with me in those places and that his heart and his face are towards me. And then I just stayed in that place, that awareness for a few minutes. I opened my heart to experience the Lord's love and delight in those places. And I I kid you not, I literally felt my anger and frustration lift as I experienced the joy of the Lord delighting in me. Even when later that day, there were other frustrating things that happened, I experienced them differently. They didn't trigger me like the other things had. And I was able to draw from this reservoir of joy in the midst of my frustration. So I wanna invite you to try this this coming week. Practice taking some delight pauses throughout your week. Feel free to make this your own. I just shared what works for me, and that is taking some, you know, one to two minute pauses throughout my day, throughout our day, where we stop what we're doing, quiet our heart, and we picture in our minds the Father, Son, or Holy Spirit delighting in us. Now, this could be something we that happens between meetings at work. We got a couple minutes between meetings. This could be a couple minutes between classes at school. It could be something we do as we lay down to go to sleep or the first thing we do when we wake up before we get out of bed. This could be the way we begin our devotional time with God, where we start our devotional time with a delight pause and we just experience him, envision him being glad to be with us. If you're using or doing the discussion guide with your your group, you will be practicing a delight pause in your group and then processing that together. So again, I invite you to practice this. I invite you to explore this this coming week. Don't just take my word for it. Explore this yourself. Find moments where you can experience the Lord delight, where you intentionally experience the Lord delighting in you. And as you do that more and more, here's what I think you're going to discover. The more delight pauses you take, the greater your experience of joy will be because you are intentionally fueling the relational joy that you are designed by God to experience. You are living out David's words in Psalm 16, in your presence, God, 
in your delighted face, I experience fullness of joy. Let's pray. So as you're quieting your heart, I want us to take a moment right now and experience a delight pause. So take a a few breaths, two deep breaths to quiet your heart. Now I want you to envision Jesus standing before you and he's smiling at you. He's delighting in you. Just let your heart feel that delight. Experience the joy of God delighting in you. So what does that do to your heart's desire for him? I mean, let let his delight in you stir in you a greater love for Jesus. Now, I realize that for some of you, that exercise may have been difficult for a variety of reasons. Maybe it's completely new or your heart's just not in that place right now. Don't be discouraged in that. God wants to help you grow in your experience of his delight. Now, one reason that you may have had a difficult time experiencing God like that is because you don't know Jesus personally. Well, I would love to introduce you to him. Jesus loves you and he died on the cross for you and he longs for a relationship with you in which you are transformed by his love. Well, if that's the desire of your heart, I'd love to lead you in a prayer to him where you can enter into this love relationship with him. Just pray along with me in the silence of your heart. Dear God, I acknowledge that I long for a relationship with you, but I also realize that I don't have that. My sin has separated me from you. I believe Jesus died on the cross to pay for all of my sin. And I choose to place my trust in you alone, Jesus. I receive you into my life. I receive your forgiveness and the presence of your spirit. I receive your love for me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Father, I thank you for anyone who prayed that prayer. Help them grow in their experience of your delighting in them because of Jesus. Now, in just a moment, we're going to receive the Lord's Supper. If you need to pause this recording to go get bread and juice, that's great. Or maybe you want to partake um, in that after um, this recording is finished, which is fine as well. In in this moment, we remember that the reason we can experience God's face shining on us, the reason we can experience his grace is because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. So this bread 
This bread represents his body, which was given for us. So Jesus, we eat this bread in remembrance of you and in gratitude to you for giving your life for us. The juice represents Jesus' blood that was shed for us, for the forgiveness of our sins. And so, Jesus, we drink this juice in remembrance of the blood that you shed for us and in heartfelt gratitude for the complete forgiveness that you have given us. Jesus, we love you. We love you. Thank you for dying on the cross for us and, and, and being raised from the dead. And thank you for doing that because you love us and you delight in us. And I pray, I ask you to help us live more and more in your delight. And by doing so, to more and more experience your joy. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Alan, I just uh, cannot not think about these messages. I was telling them here before we started filming, just since last week, this is such, it, it's a daily thing. It, you can't just, oh yeah, in the future when I come across this topic, it's no, it's such an applicable all the time. And I know we're gonna get to the relationship thing, but I kind of want to start with just this, general concept of the relationship the relational joy you know of course we're going going into our relationship with god but i was just thinking through watching my interactions with my kids and with my family and this reality they brought up today that is so true when your face lights up toward a person and what response you get and then the opposite. So I was actually watching my kids' soccer game and after I listened to your message last week and you know, discussing with Daniel, my husband, about all this reality of experiencing joy in our family and our relationships and personally. And then my kids come for the break and I'm like, careful, the food is dirty, well, your hands are dirty. Ah, and I'm all like super not delightful <laughs> at all. And then they grab whatever they need and they turn away. And I was like, oh my gosh, look what just happened. Like they literally turned away. So I just love this picture. And then obviously, you know, Daniel's like, how about that joy thing? I love it. <laughs> and so I was like, yes the light and let them see in my yes. face and just this reality when you see in people's faces that they're happy to see you and how that impacts the relationship. Um, yeah, I, Michael, you said too, you've been just noticing well, yeah. the reality of this. But I, I, think, I think in this message in particular though, you're very clear about how, where it starts, right? Exactly. Like we can't just like, we, like I, mean, I guess we can, we can like superficially like conjure up a face or whatever and, and be joyful, right? But like ultimately that has to come from a deep, a deep place of knowing that you're delighted in as well, right? Yeah, yeah I think that's so. so and that's really why I felt like this was so important because 
um, we can turn this into, I need someone to delight in me. I need, yeah. you know, and it could become an unhealthy sort of thing in that way. Um, but if we know in our relationship with the Lord, yeah. that's the foundation that we're delighted in, yeah. you know, then suddenly I think we're able to, it takes care of that. And so we're able to freely receive that from other people without needing it, you know what I mean? In an unhealthy way. Um or looking looking for it, who's gonna delight in me now? Right. You know? Right. But it's it's no, it's in the when we have that foundation in our relationship with the Lord, yeah. we know he's delighting in us. It's it it releases our hearts, I think, from that unhealthy need. And then it just yeah. becomes something we can actually enjoy. Yeah, that's so true. Because the need is there, but where are you looking for <laughs> yep. for that yeah. need to be met? Yeah. yeah, that makes a whole Yeah, and I think I think it's I think it's I think it for for me like it's a breath of fresh air to know and th- maybe this is speaking too much of myself but it's a breath of fresh air for me to know that I was created like that like with yep. this desire to be seen and delighted in. Yes. You know? Instead of feeling guilty about it. Exactly. Or feeling like when it's not there that oh nobody really cares. That's not actually the case. Yeah. A lot of times the people that we want delight from, you know, including our parents, right, may not be able to express that to us because they're not in a place where they've received it themselves. Exactly. Mm, That's right. almost always the case, I think. Right. When, yeah, when people don't experience that from parents, and then I'll ask, well, tell, them, tell me about your grandparents. Yeah. You know, and then the light bulb turns on. It's like, wow. oh, my parents never mm. experienced they never received it, yeah. that from their generation, yeah. their parents, you know. Mm. Not, it's not an excuse. It's still a longing in yeah. our heart. But it, it's helpful to understand how all of us can be impacted yeah. by yeah. a lack of that. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking, to this searching for God's presence for this need to be this longing to be fulfilled um it's really inspiring like you're sharing an actual story one day you're struggling and you go spend some time and and having that delight pause i don't know about you guys but sometimes i feel like when you're in this certain places emotionally where you can't it's not that god is not delighting in you but you're not able to open up to see it or to receive it i don't know if you have any any answer to that or i don't know i've had plenty of times that you know like a a child throwing a fit you know "Mm," and nothing will come through yeah Yeah, later we're going to talk about this a little bit later some of the books talk about this idea of your relational circuit and how it's either on or off. Mm. And they even use the term enemy mode where we can get an enemy mode where we don't want to interact with anyone. We don't, we aren't want to be curious about anyone. We don't want to, you know, that sort of thing. It sounds like you were mm. in this where we all get, and it's literally Sometimes. a brain, a, a neurological <laughs> phenomenon where sure. we kind of shut that circuit down. Um. And I think some of the ways. Um, one of the ways actually to re-engage um, is, is rest, is by taking mm. a deep breath. It's by even just kind of letting ourselves reset um, is one of the ways that we can kind of realize what's happening and almost reset, you know, that's try to get that circuit that's good. on. Yeah. 
Um, and we'll talk about appreciation in a couple of weeks. That's another thing that we can do, just intentional appreciation. Um, yeah, there's no formula, but I get totally what you're saying. And I think it's that awareness that that is, is powerful. Just even being aware. Yeah. I had, you know, my circuit is, it's off right now. I'm, yeah. I'm not in a, even a mode to receive delight. I'm just mad or frustrated. Yeah. It's that impulse sometimes that when you, you're having a hard time and you withdraw. Yes. And it is. Mm -hmm. yep. Instead of I know what I need and I have to go there, but I just, I don't I don't want to move. Yep, I'm stuck here in this place. Yeah, so mm -hmm. that that's uh, I'm I'm excited for when we get there. Yeah, I think I think so much of of what we're talking about in this message is um, how do you see God? I think we talked about this a little bit last week, mm -hmm. but how do you see God? Like, what's your picture of Him? Yeah. Um, how is he portrayed to you even growing up? And for me, like I had a very um, kind of a a almost if I were to, if I were to ask somebody were to ask me, hey, how do you what's what look is on his face? It's usually like a more a stern face, like of like you better make sure you're doing mm -hmm. the right thing and and living the right way. Um, and and it was really hard for me, and it took quite a long time for me to like transform that picture that I had of him. You know what I mean? And I can imagine there's plenty of people listening and watching who even like in when you, towards the end when you talked about the, um, the practice, right? Of man, that, it sounds really great. It sounds really amazing. But I can't get this other picture out of my head of yeah. mm -hmm. a stern look on, my, on, on, on God's face. Yeah. What would be some of your words to the, I mean, other than obviously what you've already said, but like, what are some of your words to, to people like that who are maybe struggle with that? Oh, gosh, that's such a great question. Um, I think sometimes um, there's some prayer work that they could yeah. do, you know, and maybe like our Hope Abounds ministry or mm -hmm. something, just sign up for an appointment just to explore some yeah. of those things. Sometimes I think it is in the... It's the, we read what the scripture says and we then leverage, we mm. envision it. Whether we feel it or not, we actually are trying to envision what that scripture says. And I think by doing that over time, we also can begin to change our perception. Yeah. Mm. Not again, not just by keeping it on the left brain. I'm just going to read this verse over and over and right. over again. That I haven't found that to be personally helpful. Okay. In, in the, what you're talking about, in the experience. So yeah. what I feel like moves it from the left to the right side, that whatever, three inches or whatever, <laughs> is when we can engage our our um, imagining yeah. and we can picture it and yeah. see it, that that, to me, connects with my being in a, yeah. in a deeper way. Yeah. Um, so what are you, what do you, what have you found helpful in terms of re- mm changing that picture yeah um gosh so many things like i mean i think for me part a huge part of my journey has been um asking god to god show me your face in 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 ways than more than just imagining yep um i sometimes when i have a hard time imagining things i'm like no actually maybe you can show me some physical things that show me your mm -hmm. face and and again, this may sound a little funny, but even just like my, my wife and I had a chance to, to climb a mountain. <laughs> we literally climbed a mountain last weekend. And for me, like, I saw such beauty and such goodness. And, 
And almost, and my wife and I were talking about this, almost like we felt like in that moment that what we were seeing was kind of crafted for us in that moment, mm, you know? Yeah. And that was a chance for me to see God in a new, in a, like his face and his, uh, his, his, his face toward me, I guess, more specifically. I love that. Is, is in those, those things. I've seen him in worship, like things mm-hmm. like that. And again, like it's this, I, I, I might even say that sometimes our, our natural bent is to see a more authoritarian God. And it's, it's actually somewhat difficult for us to see this at times, um, obviously depending on your upbringing and stuff. But, mm-hmm. um, but if we are open, if we're aware, whether it's during a song, I've so many times people will say during a song or during a message or reading, like you said, yeah. reading a passage and it just like illuminating, whoa, you actually like me. Yes. <laughs> you actually like me, God. Yeah. You know? I love that. I love broadening that because then the delight pause, imagining is one way to do that. But another is just there's a sunset. It's you just stop while you're taking a walk and you enjoy that. And there's something of God's delight in that as well. And I think it's also it's 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 enjoying the the grandeur and the beauty, but also the personal aspect of that. Like and just saying, God, what? What are you saying to me through this? Like I'm here in this moment watching this. Right. Is this for me? Like you know yeah. what I mean? And just hearing his voice and hearing him speak. In That's so sense. good. So. Yeah, yeah. I think there's even you're mentioning worship. It made me think of times where you know we sing so many songs that are literal scripture truths yeah. from scripture that you can meditate on and almost just let that sometimes I just sit there and let those words almost wash you know I need to shower myself with those words and take away other thoughts and feelings that are keeping me from engaging with those truths I think that one of the things I read or heard was I think that worship and singing is a way to engage the right side of our brain, the relational yeah. side of our brain. And so, yeah, that's that's it really makes cool. makes complete sense. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Well, I guess this week we will be practicing the, the light <laughs> yeah. cause. And I just want to bring up too, because one of the, in this world of engaging with Jesus, uh, in a week and a half, Alan is starting his in- Experiencing Intimacy with Jesus course, yeah. which was, is one of our core discipleship classes here. So if you feel like this is something you need help with, this is a great place to start. So you can go to our app or website and sign up for that class. It's another great place. To- and there's a digital version of that. And digitally as well, yeah. if you're not able to come in person. So yep. check that out for sure. Cool. Thanks. Well, yeah. Thanks for staying with us. Have a good rest of your day.